actually started this series last week, but I called it Christ Must Stay the Course. So it's kind of an overlap series, but we're going to continue this until the Lord says not to, to stay the course. Well, that kind of sounds funny, doesn't it? We're always going to stay the course, whether that's the sermon series or not. Okay. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 27. You know, to stay the course, you first got to be convinced you're on the right course. A lot of people, they just take off in life and they graduate or whatever stage they are in their life and they just go after something else. This sounds good or that sounds good. So they, they start staying the course until they figure out, why well, I'm on this course. This never interested me anyway in the first place. Why did I ever get trapped into this? Why did I go to that school? Why did I marry that person? Why am I dating this person? We start, why did I get this job? Well, it was just available. And God didn't tell you to get that job. You just, well, it was available, you know? And, and we do things, we make decisions in our life that are not God decisions, and then we wonder why we wander off course and we get off track. So this series is about us staying on the course starting last year. I mean, last Sunday, the, the whole year ahead of us is, let's, let's, we've, God's charted your course. Do so you know that? He's already written your book. The Bible says He's written your book. He's already charted your course. And now He wants you to fulfill that and keep, keep, your, keep your walk steady, keep walking in the light and seeking Him with all your heart. So as we study this, this, this passage of Scripture from Acts chapter 27, we're looking at the life of Paul. He's one incredible Christian. Incredible Christian. But he wasn't always an incredible Christian. Before he was an incredible Christian, he was a very religious person that hated Christians. He wanted to have, see them all dead. He, matter of fact, he went about arresting Christians and putting them in jail, and then ultimately they would be killed, and that was his job. Man, I'm a, I'm a bounty hunter for God, and he was doing all these things. He thought that was his course. It was charted out for him. But see, God met him and said, I've got a different, I've got a different course for you. He met him on the road to Damascus. And he struck him down as he was going out to arrest more Christians. He struck him down. He blinded him. And then he goes to this man. He's, he's taken to this man because God says, take him to this place and meet this man. His name, and this man's name is Ananias. And, and God told Ananias, I want you to pray for Paul. Or his actually name then was Saul. And Ananias said, oh, you got to be kidding me, God. He's, he might just be sneaking in here to kill me. I can't pray for this guy. And this is what, this is what God said. He said in Acts 9, 15, but the Lord said to him, to Ananias go for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles kings and the children of Israel right then God was charting Paul's course God is charting your course he's already charted your course and so when Paul when, when Ananias heard that he said okay God I will pray for him and he prayed for him. And then you read the rest of the book of Acts. In, in chapter 7, you read about where, where Paul was there at the stoning of Stephen. And he was saying, yeah, stone that guy. He's a Christian. But then you see his conversion in chapter 9. And then you see uh, in chapter 11, he's, he's hooked up with Barnabas. And they start going on missionary journeys. And then in chapter 13, he starts establishing churches. For seven chapters, you read establishing churches. This was a man that hated Christians. But now he was on the right path. He was on the right course. And he was beginning to do the will of God. So some of you here this morning, listen, if you're floundering, if you're wondering, this message is for you. Say, this message might be for me. And if you know the person next to you, you might say, hey, this, this message is for you. Because I know you. And then they'll go back at you. Right? 
So we're going to look quickly through uh, chapter 27. I'm going to read quite a few scriptures and then, bang, I'll hit some points. And because I want you to see that God's with us in the midst of the storm. Okay, what we've been singing about all morning, what's been prophesied all morning, God's with you in the storm. How many of you are in a storm right now? Raise your hand. Wow. Okay, you need this. Verse 1, And when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan regiment. So here, here's Paul. He's got this job. He's going to go see Caesar. He's going to get to Rome somehow, some way. But because God said, you're going, to go to, you're going to go to kings. So he said, I'm going to Caesar. So the way he was going to go, he had to be arrested. And then he said, I'm a Roman citizen, so I'm going to appeal to Caesar. So he had a plan, okay? So he was, and they were going to be taken there by ship. So entering a ship of Adramid, Adramidium, we put to sea, meaning to sail along the coast of Asia, Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica was with us. Now remember, this is Luke writing this. This was his, this was his travel mate. Luke was the doctor that recorded all this, okay? And the next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to his friends and receive care. He needed care because he'd just been beaten up. So we have a, a kind jailer here. Uh, named Julius. And when we had put to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea, which is off of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy. It's like he was going from bus station to bus station, except these were ships. Okay? Can you, can you get the picture? All right, and he put us in there. The centurion found this other ship going to uh, Italy. He put us on board. And when we had sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty off Canidas, the wind not permitting us to proceed, we sailed under the shelter of Crete off of Salmone. Passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens near the city of Lycia. Now, the first thing I want you to see real quickly is be ready in this journey, in your, in your course that God has set out for you. Be ready for change. Be, be, be flexible in the, in the journey. How many of you know that sometimes we set our course and we think God set our course and we're not going to move even though God's trying to move us? But, but this is what I'm going to do. I've already made up my mind. See, we, sometimes we make up our mind, but we don't make up God's mind. God says this and we say, but God, this sounds good. This looks good. It may look good. It may sound good. It may not be God, though. And so we need to be ready for change. I remember when I was a young songwriter. I remember this very clearly because it stuck with me. It hurt my feelings, really. Uh, Dallas Home. Anybody remember Dallas Home? Uh, he was right at the top of the charts back when I was younger. And he had written this song called Rise Again. And he came to San Angelo and did this concert. Man, like, wow, this guy's good. So after the concert, I was like one of those groupies. Hey, hey, Mr. On Dallas, Dallas, can you give me some, in, uh, give me, give me some insight? What, how do I write song? What, what's the best info, uh, the, the advice you can give me to be a songwriter? You know what he said? He looked at me and said, Use a pencil with an eraser. I thought, you smart aleck. Use a pencil with an eraser. You know what? Later on, I figured out what that meant. Because I don't always write the perfect words. You know, some people, they think that they, they're the God's gift to whatever. And they think whatever they write, whatever they pen is perfect. And you go back and you read it and go, man, you could change that. I'm not changing nothing. You know, because you're not flexible. So we've got to be real, we've got to be willing to listen to Holy Spirit. We've got to be willing to listen to wise counsel in this journey that we call the staying the course. Verse, verse 9. Oh, 27. Jeez, right there. Now, when much time had been spent in selling was now dangerous because of fast, which is probably, which was probably the, uh, 
Feast of Atonement, was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and with much loss, not only of the cargo on the ship, but also of our lives. Now listen, listen, hearing God is sometimes simply as, as simple as hearing a spontaneous thought. Now see, he says, I, what did he say? I, I what? I perceive. Say it, perceive. See, he didn't say, I've got a word of knowledge. He didn't say, an angel spoke to me. Later on, he will. But he said, I just perceive that we're not doing this right. See, God can drop spontaneous thoughts into your mind, and sometimes we just don't pay attention to them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, well, I didn't mean, I felt like that. I said, but I didn't, and then look what happened. <laughs> right? I, I, you know, I thought I was supposed to call so-and-so, and, 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 you know, I didn't, and all of a sudden, and, oh, man. I will tell you this story, and it's a sad story. My my brother-in-law, Paul Sanders, I love him dearly. He's one of my mentors, and he uh, he had uh, he had a good friend of his that that they worked together and they hung out together. And the Lord spoke to him one night, and He said, "You need to tell Jan. His name was Jan. He said, "You need to tell Jan about Jesus. He needs to get saved." And Paul said, man, I knew in my heart I was supposed to tell him, but for somehow fear or embarrassment, whatever it was, I didn't tell him. And the next day he was in a car wreck and he died. Perception, we got to listen. we got to tune in to the Holy Spirit. And when those things come, don't just brush them off. Oh, that, that couldn't be God. Well, the devil wouldn't tell you to go save somebody, would he? How many times we said that couldn't be God and God said, whoa, 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 that's me. That's me, Harold. Listen up. So we've got to pay attention. God speaks to us in a lot of ways, but one of the ways he speaks to us is just through our thoughts. Don't discount those, okay? Verse 11. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter, in the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete opening towards the southwest and the northwest, and winter there. I may need another bottle of that. Uh, or just water. I know I have special water. but The next thing I want you to see is the majority is not always right. In your journey, the, listen, say the majority is not always right. But how many times do we succumb to the majority? How many times did you, and, and when you were growing up with other teenagers and you ran with the wrong crowd like I did, and you, and you gave in, you, 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 the pressure got to you so you wanted to please them, so you went along with them and did some things you shouldn't do. Anybody, can I get a witness? See, some of you are lying because y'all are raising your hands. How many of you have done some bad things and you were pressured because peer pressure? Listen, the majority's not always right. I guess the statute of limitations is out on this. I'll share it. Uh, thank you. Would you go ahead and take the lid off of that sucker? Yeah, just, just one. Uh, that, not Coke. I, I ran around, went around with guys older than me. Anybody ever run around with guys that were older than you? Or, Yeah, see, that's the worst kind of influence. I should have been the guy that led the younger people to whatever we did that was wrong. But I remember they would say, you know what, we can, we can get golf balls at a, at a Riverside golf course when, at night when they close. We'll just go down to the, to the, the, water, the water trap. Is it called a water trap? And we can sneak in there at night and we can get all the balls that are in the bottom in the, in the water. And we can sell the balls. So, yeah. 
Really? Yeah, they're just in the water. They're nobody. They're, hey, look, they're not, not going to do anybody any good. So we said, okay, let's go. And we would go in there, and I'm telling you, the water in those water traps, what they call water traps? Huh? Hazards. Yeah, that's even better. The mud in there is a stinky. Beyond stink. But we'd be down there groveling around. Oh, found a ball, found a ball. And then we'd go and take them and wash them. And, and man, we'd examine them, see which ones were good. Well, one night we were doing this because we kind of got in the habit of it because it's a kind of good way to make easy money. And the, and the owner or whoever was there, the, the caretaker, we heard him fire up his tractor. We heard the dog bark. And we, oh, God, help us out of here. Let's get out of here before somebody catches us. But they never did. So I'm just confessing. I'm so sorry. You can be pressured into doing things, guys, that you don't really want to do. You can be pressured into going places you shouldn't go. You already know it. But the pressure is there because the majority said, hey, it's okay. So the majority is not always right. Matter of fact, the majority is wrong a lot of times. Yes. Well, back then, money was money, baby. A nickel was a nickel. We sold horny toads for 15 cents a piece, so we sell whatever we could sell, we'd sell it. That's why horny toads are extinct in this area, because me and my brother caught them all. We'd sell them to a guy from up north. He'd come down and buy a whole hundreds of them. That's why they're gone. They're all in Kansas, I think. Verse 13, when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they'd obtained their desire of putting out to sea, they sailed close to by Crete. But not long after that, another a tempestuous headwind arose called Euroclidon. And I know these words. I'm just making these up, how to pronounce them. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. Now, I thought about that. Why, did they, why don't we call ships women's names? Because they're going to tell you how to drive. Right? That's the only reason I know that we call ships. We name them. You know, I'm a woman's name. I was going to say Mary, but that wouldn't have been a good idea. And they said, you know, it's a, I don't know what the ship's name was, Randy. They said, let her drive. <laughs> She's in charge. So, just a little side note uh, that I'll pay for later. And run in verse 16, and running under the shelter of an island called Clotta, we secured the skiff. Now, the skiff was like a lifeboat, okay, with difficulty. And when they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship. And fearing lest that they should run aground on the surface of sands, they struck sail and so were driven. In other words, they were putting cables under this huge ship to tie it, keep it from breaking apart. They brought the skiff and the, 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 the lifeboat in so it wouldn't get washed away, so it wouldn't get torn apart from the, from the, separated from the ship. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. And on the third day we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat on us, that means it was big. All hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Anybody ever come to that place in your life? Your ship is coming apart. Your family is coming apart. Your job is coming apart. Your health is coming apart. Your finances are coming apart. You find yourself in those places and then you start doing everything in the natural to gird it up and bring it together and pull it back and hang on, you know? We try to do so many things in the natural. 
And we forget the spiritual side of these issues because it's an attack. We, we forget that the enemy has a plan to destroy us. And so we, we start attacking things. And we try to do things in the natural. Sometimes the natural things work for a while. If your finances are bad, you may get on a budget and you may learn how to turn your finances around without God's help. But listen, there are so many things in our life we, we neglect to allow God into them. And so we come to the place many times where I give up. It's over. We, we're not going to make it. The Bible says that we're supposed to put on the armor of God. Helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, the belt of, of truth, the shoes of peace, uh, the take up the shield, the shield the, and, uh, sword of the, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the shield of faith. We put all this armor on. And it says, after having done all. After having done all what? Stand. Just believe. See, sometimes we, we do everything and then we keep trying to do things to fix things. And God said, no, just put the armor on and wait. Wait on me. Don't get ahead of me. Stand. Rest in me. Quit trying to force things to happen. Having done all to stand. See, Luke is writing this account and apparently he thought they were done in too. Even though he was right there with Paul and he knew the faith of Paul and yet he was writing this and said, listen, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. He's including himself in that address. All hope is gone. Verse 21, but after long abstinence from food. What does a long abstinence from food sound like? Fast. Then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. I'm going to stop right there. Listen, I used to read that. I'm like, Paul, you're like an I told you so kind of guy. Listen, he wasn't telling them I told you so, so he could say I'm right. He was telling them I told you so, so they would pay attention the next time he said something. And they did. You see, when you, when you have the word of the Lord and you speak it, you stand upon that word. You don't brag, oh, God gave me a word for you. And then you, then you say, oh, listen, if you would have listened to my word, you wouldn't be in this mess today. You don't do it like that. That's not humble. That's, that's prideful. But he was telling, I told you if you would have listened to me. So he's setting them up for something else, okay? And now I urge you, verse 22, to take heart. Oh, that's good. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the, of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God. He didn't say, I believe in God. He said, I believe God. Say, I believe God. That it will be just as it was told to me. Has God told you something? Has He spoken something to you? Has He declared some things to you? Then you need to stand on that promise. Got a few amens out of that. Look, He just said, God spoke to me. And it's going to be just like He said. However, we must run aground on a certain island. That's what I call the good news and the bad news in our, in our staying the course. There's always going to be some good news and there's always going to be some bad news. Did y'all know that? Life isn't roses. I mean, it's, it, even roses have thorns, right? So when we're walking through this life, it's not always going to be, uh, uh, you know, everything's good and rosy and everybody's happy and everything's good and fun all the time. It's not going to be that way. We're going to walk through some valleys because God wants you to grow. So there's some good news. He says, man, everybody's... Here's the good news. Hey, guys, I've got some good news for you. 
Nobody's going to die. Yay! Way to go, Paul! Thank you for listening to your God. I'm glad your God's with us on the boat. Uh, well, well, I got another thing. I got to tell you, the ship's going to go. <laughs> We're losing the ship. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, that's good. That's not, that's not good. But see, in your journey of life, there's going to be some good things, and sometimes you're going to think the bad things are horrible things, and God says, no, that's part of the plan too. Bad things are part of the plan too. Not that he's going to cause it to happen. Usually it's because we bring it on ourselves. Right? But no matter what it looks like, God, guys, God is always in the boat with you. See, he, the angel of God said, Paul, Paul, oh, I'm so glad you showed up. I haven't seen you in a while. I perceived some thoughts, but now I'm so glad that you showed up. What did you have to tell me? Well, listen, it's going to be okay. Everybody's going to be saved. And he had the word from the Lord through an angel. Paul's probably thinking, God, you're still with me, aren't you? Yes, Paul, I'm with you. I'm not going to abandon you. I know it looks rough right now. Listen, are you getting this? I know it looks rough right now for some of you. But I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. That's my word. That's my promise. I'm with you in the midst of the storm. Verse 27. Now when the 14th night had come, 14 nights, seven, uh, two weeks they'd been without food. As they were, we were driven up and down in the Adriatic Sea about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land, and they took soundings and found it to be 20 fathoms. Anybody know how long deep a fathom is? Six feet, according to Siri. So in other words, they're getting soundings to see how deep the water is. And then, and when they had gone a little further, they took soundings again and found it to be 15 fathoms. So they knew they were getting near shallower water. Okay? Verse 29, Then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let down the skiff into the sea under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it fall off. Now again, I want to... That was a word of knowledge I believe that Paul had. Okay, a word of knowledge can save lives. Here's the thing. He had established authority by the other things that he had said that it came to pass. Okay? So a lot of... Listen, when, when the sailors wanted to jump ship... He said, uh-uh, don't do it, don't do it. And so the, the, the owner of the ship, the man that was in charge, said, no, nah, let, let, let that skiff go. We're not going to participate in that. If we're all going to live, we all have to stay together. So he's paying attention. Listen, when God gives you a word, you need to pay attention to it. I don't care if it doesn't come to pass in a year. Maybe it's going to be two years or five years or ten years. It doesn't matter if he's giving you a word. Hold on to the word because it can save lives. Verse 33, And as day was about to dawn, Paul implored all them all to take food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day you've waited and continue without food and eaten nothing. Therefore I urge you to take nourishment. Now look who's taking over the ship. Paul. Okay? Pay attention. For this is your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, look what he did. He took bread and did what? Gave thanks to God in the presence of them 
Uh, what do you, the language of that, what do you think is suggesting he did? He took communion. Every, all the commentaries I read said he was more than likely taking communion and he was offering up and saying, Thank you, Lord, that you're with me. It doesn't look that way right now, Lord, to all these men. But I thank you, God, that you've spoken to me, that I've got the word of the Lord, that we are going to be saved. And he began to take that bread. And I don't know if he had anything to drink. It said he just took the bread because most of the stuff was already ruined or thrown overboard. But he said he gave thanks in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Not the rest of them, just tea. But look what the next verse. Then they were all encouraged. And they also took food themselves. And in all, we were 276 persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. Man, that's faith. I believe what he said is true because we're going to throw the rest of the food in the ocean. Communion is so important, church. I encourage you, don't wait for Sunday morning to come and take communion. It's not blasphemy to take communion at home. I know some people, we can only take communion to church. Really? You show me in Scripture where they took it just only in church. Matter of fact, he said they broke bread all the time. And many times when they talked about breaking bread in the Bible, it's communion. I suggest you get you some matzo bread if you can find it. I think they sell it at some of the grocery stores, matzo bread. It's unleavened bread. It's cracker-looking stuff. Break it up, it'll last you forever. (laughs) One box will last you forever. You have to freeze it. Get you some grape juice. You know, we we don't participate. We don't use the wine. We use grape juice. I'm not saying you can't use wine, but we use grape juice. But take it at home. Take it over your finances. Take it over your health. Take it over your family. Take it over the Word. Take it. Just take it. Because when you do, he says, when you do, you're remembering what he did for you. And that's a good thing every day to remember what he's done for us. It's a good thing. We listen, when we have these communion and fasting calls, you should get on the call if at all possible at 9 o'clock, Monday through Friday, until while, until while this fast is going on. And be encouraged. It says when he did this, they were encouraged. They said, okay, we'll eat too. So Paul was doing this. He was thanking God in the middle of the storm. When was the last time you thanked God in the middle of your storm? Think about that just for a minute. I just asked how many were in a storm. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but are you thanking Him in the midst of the storm? Are you allowing Him to speak to you? Are you listening to those thoughts? Are you asking Him for a word of knowledge? Or are you saying, are you you reading the word? Are you praying in the midst of the storm? Are you seeking His face? Verse 39. This is nuts. This is crazy. When it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they observed a bay with a beach onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And they let go the anchors and they let, left them in the sea, meanwhile loosing the rudder ropes and they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for shore. It sounded like they were going to get there, didn't it? But look at verse 41. But striking a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground and the prow stuck fast and remained immovable. But the stern was being broken up by the violence 
of the waves. We have an enemy and he's relentless. After all the good things, all the, all the words that Paul had spoken, all the encouragement they had given, and they thought, well, we're going to make it. Paul said we're going to make it. God said we're not. Nobody's going to die. And now the ship is stuck and it's, it's breaking apart right in front of them. I want you to understand as, as you walk this course, as you strive, as you stay this course, you know what somebody, somebody told me the other day, and one, one time I heard this, that, that staying the course, walking this course with God is, is, is not a sprint, it's a marathon. You ever heard that? But sometimes you've got to sprint. I just thought of that. Because we always say, well, it's just a marathon. No, sometimes you've got to sprint. Sometimes you've got to run to Jesus. Sometimes you've got to fall on your face before Him. Sometimes you've just got to go after Him with all your heart. And you can't just step back and say, well, I'm just going to, this is a marathon. I don't need to do anything. Maybe God wants you to do something in the midst of the storm. We have an enemy. He's relentless. What does it say in the Word? That He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He goes about to and fro about the earth, seeking whom He may destroy. He doesn't give up. He's wily. He's deceitful. First Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom He may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith. In other words, you're going to be steadfast in the faith. That means you're going to stay the course, no matter what the enemy throws at you. Verse 42, the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoner. See, the soldiers, all of a sudden, they, they didn't believe the word. And the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. Fear prompts bad decisions. Can I get a yes, it does? <laughs> Fear prompts bad decisions. See, they were, all, they were afraid now. All of a sudden, the ship's coming apart. Because, see, if you were, if you were a guard, if you were, jail, if you were a jailer back then... And somebody got loose and they escaped. Guess what happened to the guard? He got killed. He, he, he got killed for it. So they're thinking, well, if they all get away, man, what are we going to do? Let's just go ahead and kill them now so we can at least keep our lives. So fear prompts bad decisions. How many of you have made decisions based upon fear instead of faith? Everybody. Well, if I don't do this, you know what my mother will say? If I don't do this this way, you know what my teacher will say? You know what? If I, if I make this decision, listen, and this is what I really believe I'm supposed to do. But listen, there's so many people that, that they're going to make fun of me. They're going to point fingers at me. And we make these decisions based upon fear. Some, you, some people quit going to church because of fear. Fear they're going to be exposed. So I don't want to go to that church. And, you know, I've heard the saying, if I go to church, if I walk in the church, the ceiling will fall in on me. Anybody ever said that that's in here today? You want to, might want to move away from them right now. It's never happened. You know why? Because God loves you. We're, we're supposed to fear God. That's a reverential fear of God. But listen, don't make your decisions based upon, based upon fear. 2 Timothy 1.7, most of you know this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. So we make decisions based upon faith, not fear. Verse 43, bless you. But the centurion, say the centurion, he wanted to save Paul. Kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim just jump overboard first and get to land. I like this. This is a pretty simple statement. God will send help. He is faithful. 
We sang about it all morning. He's going to send help. You may think, I'm in this all along. No, He's going to send help. You may think, I can't do this by myself. That's okay, because He's going to send some help. You're not alone in your race. I know for some of you this morning, you might think you're alone, but you're not. That's why it's so important to stay connected to the body. I like what Elder Ed Sutton said earlier when after the baptism. He said, Brody, look at all these people. you got your family on the stage, but you got your bigger family out here. Most of you that I know personally, if I needed something and you could provide it, you'd do it. And the thing goes in reverse. We take care of one another. We don't walk through these things alone. We need each other. Look at your neighbor and say, I need you. Look the other way because you were looking the wrong way that time. <laughs> we need each other. And God has not left us alone. This is one of the pastor's favorite scriptures. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. That means stay the course. For he who promises faithful. And let us consider one another. Let's consider one another. Look how simple he puts that. In order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much more as, as you see the day approaching. We're, we're called to exhort one another, encourage one another, hold each other up, hold each other accountable, pray for one another. I don't know if y'all know that we, we have people that have needs here that come all during the week. We have need, They have needs, and, and as best we can, we meet those needs for people. Food, prayer, whatever it is. We, we, we pray, and we seek God, and we say, we're, we're your family. And, but we have people that come off the street that they don't know anybody. They don't, and, and I'll ask them many times. They'll, they'll say, we need some help with this or that. And I'll say, well, do you have a church home? Yeah, but they won't help me. I said, well, then that's probably not a good home. You know? We help one another here. We bless one another. We speak life over each other. I want to ask you a question. Who's God put in your life to encourage you? Can you think of somebody that God's put in your life to encourage you? And lastly, verse 44, and we'll close. And the rest, see, some of them were swimming. And he said, and the rest, some on boards and some on parts of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. A-L-L. They all made it. Because God was with them in the boat. He was with them in the water. You see, staying the course requires courage and wisdom and obedience and patience and commitment. It also requires being humble. See, Paul... God could have gotten Paul to Rome a lot of different ways. He could have just transported him like he did Philip. He said, okay, Paul, I need you to go to Rome. And he, he leaves here and he appears there. Could God do that? Can God? Is that possible with God? Because what? All things are possible with God. But he chose for Paul to get to Rome a different way. See, you think, if I get here to there and there's no heartache and there's no troubles, there's no trials, no tribulations, that would be great. But once you got there, you wouldn't know what to do because you wouldn't know how to navigate life. 
You wouldn't know how to get, you wouldn't know how to do anything. You see, so many of us want a platform. You know, it's like I would write, I like a yacht, and God says, well, here's a piece of wood. I, I would like a limo, well, here's a donkey. I would like to preach the word on Sunday morning. I'd like to be up there where pastor is. Man, he gets people laughing and people are clapping and people are amening and, and people love him. I'd like to be on the, I'd like to be on the stage preaching. Well, are you willing to preach to your family first? Are you willing to, to go and speak life into the nursery or into the youth group or go to a men's Bible study? And listen, and we just didn't show up here one day and start preaching. Oh, but I'd like to be on the praise team. Man, you get so, man, they're so good looking up there and they got all their cool clothes on and they sing all, oh, man, they, everybody's looking at them. And, and listen, are you willing to sing over your children? Are you willing to sing to the children in the nursery? Are you willing to start somewhere else to get where God wants you to go? Oh no, I just want to get to the front. I want to be, I want to be on the platform. I want the microphone. Listen, I ain't giving this microphone just to anybody. I have a responsibility. You like that limo and the donkey? You may be want you may want to be on the top of the mountain today, but God says I want you to go through the valley of growth, not the valley of death, the valley of growth. You can call it the valley of death if as long as you're dying to yourself in the process, because that's what He's trying to get you to. When you go through these things of life in the midst of the storm, you know, think about this. Jesus came walking on the water and what was happening around the disciples? A storm. And what did he do? He spoke to the storm. He said, peace, be still. And I know people, and I've done it before, well, we have the authority. We just go up there, tornadoes out there. You just go up there and say, tornado, you go that way. Couldn't, couldn't Paul have said, peace, be still in the silence of the storm that day? See, sometimes we do things just because we heard somebody else do it and the Holy Spirit didn't say to do it. And I'm not against speaking to the storm if Holy Spirit says you need to go out there and speak to the storm because it's going a certain place. And anyway, don't tell it to go somewhere else. Tell it to go back up. <laughs> but we see this. We see this. He didn't steal the storm. The boat broke up. They had to jump and swim for their lives. We want to be somewhere lofty. And God says, are you willing to give... Be somewhere lowly. Are you willing to go visit the sick in the hospital? Go to the jails. Go to the prisons. Are you willing to come down on Friday and pray with people and give them food? God's not going to elevate you until you're willing to lower yourself and humble yourself. And then He will exalt you, not you. You may look like a shipwreck today. I'm not talking about your appearance. <laughs> I just got out of bed. How did he know? You may look like a shipwreck today. Your, mind, your life may be. You may be in the water drowning. Because I know some of you are. You may see no way out today. But I'm telling you, God is sending a piece of wood in that stormy water. 
And that piece of wood looks a lot like a cross. It's floating there and he says, grab hold of it and hang on to it. Grab hold of the cross today. Hang on to the cross today. Sometimes we want to get out of the storm so badly. And he says, just hang on for a little longer. I'm going to show you some things you've never seen before. And when I get you up on that beach, you're going to be able to go and touch people and see them healed in Jesus' name. You're going to go and you're going to get to Rome, Paul. You're going to stand before Caesar. You're going to preach to kings. But you've got to go through some stuff first. Are you willing to grab hold of the cross today? Are you willing to grab hold in the midst of your storm and say, I am not letting go. I will not relent. God, you've said this. I believe it and I'm hanging on for dear life. If you need help this morning, if you need somebody to pray with you, I'm going to ask you to stand and all of the ministry team to come forward. Because I'm going to tell you this. If you will grab hold of that piece of wood, that cross... He will bring you safely home. He will deliver you. He will heal you. He will restore you. He will, he will, ta- he will take what you think is a shipwreck and make it beautiful. And it will be an honor and a glory to God. It won't be anything you've done. It will be everything that He's done. And I'm going to ask you, and you all been doing so good at this. Be respectful of the, the invitation. If there's any more important time in the service, I don't know what it is. Be respectful of the invitation time because these are matters of life and death. There are people that didn't come forward earlier, but you're in a shipwreck. And you don't see any way out. You've lost hope. And God said, nope, not today, devil. I've got them. I've got them. I'm sending them a piece of wood. In Jesus' name. Now just step out and come. If you need prayer this morning, if you're in a shipwreck, stand up. Go ahead and stand up. You've heard the message. Holy Spirit's dealing with you. You respond to Holy Spirit. Please, everybody stand. That makes it easier for people to get out. They need prayer. Step out and come. If your life looks like a shipwreck, God wants to uh, upright the ship today. He wants to restore you.